life. Life is the free and joyful pursuit of self-interest. The generous may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a dedication to serving others. A spirit of love in the heart of God, we've moved on to something better. Money is what really matters. We don't believe all the hype about transforming our world. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of convenience and luxury, the sense of status and wealth, the power of instant gratification. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to living with open hands, setting our eyes on the everlasting. The better way forward? To build a world around ourselves. This is the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to live the generous life. We don't believe it is worth our time. But when we encounter Jesus, he reorders the priorities of our heart. It is worth our time to live the generous life. We don't believe the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to build a world around ourselves. This is the better way forward. Setting our eyes on the everlasting, living with open hands. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to the power of instant gratification, the sense of status and wealth, convenience and luxury. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of transforming our world. We don't believe all the hype about money is what really matters. We've moved on to something better, the heart of God, a spirit of love and dedication to serving. Others may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a pursuit of self-interest. The generous life is the free and joyful life. Well, welcome on this Memorial Day weekend. We are finishing up a series we've been called Entitled or Entrusted. And uh, we've looked at various things, but uh, I find those, what do they call them, uh, palindrome kind of things, very interesting to me how they craft that and put it together. But it puts together exactly what we have desired to have our hearts move towards. And that is a heart that's moving towards the entrustments of all that God has for us and a heart that moves away from a sense of entitlement. Every day, every week, every month, every year, you and I are bombarded with a mindset in our world that we need to fill entitlement. But it's so counter-kingdom because in the kingdom of God, we are called to give our life away and allow God to take our life and use all of our life that he's given us for his glory and his purposes. And so here on this Labor Day, for those of you who are able to be here, some of you watching online as you're traveling for this vacation holiday weekend, we are going to take one more shot at understanding an aspect of how God calls us to live a life that is not entitled, but to live a life that is entrusted. And um, that um, video ended with this quote. It ended with this quote that simply said, but when 
we encounter Jesus, he reorders the priorities of our heart. Here's the question. Have you encountered Jesus? I think of Jesus calling Lazarus, as, I mean calling um, Levi as we looked at Matthew the other day. I think of him calling Zacchaeus. I think of him calling Peter and John and James. I think of him calling you and I. And when we encounter Jesus, he changes our hearts and he changes the priorities of our hearts, our drives and our desires. But that encounter can grow old. That encounter can become commonplace. And we find our hearts drifting back towards the things of the world. And we have to renew our commitment. Week in and week out to live a life that's truly encountered with Jesus and one that sees our priorities altered. Now, last week, I need to give everybody credit for last week. If you were here, if you weren't here last week, well, you're going to get a little bit of a recap today. In this subject matter of entitled or entrusted, you knew it was coming that there was going to be a Sunday that we talked about money issues. A pastor is always walking lightly whenever those Sundays come because he doesn't want to be misunderstood because there's a lot of teaching and preaching and ministry propaganda sometimes that does get it confused and gets it wrong and becomes manipulative. But I have found in my life, as maybe you have as well, that this whole heart issue could be checked, a gut check, as it relates to our sense of security in the area of wealth. That's why last week in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus himself saying, what? For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And last week, you guys responded well. And um, taking on this sense of understanding that God's got all resources. And we're merely entrusted in this day and age with what he has freely given us. And we give back to him. We looked at Malachi 3.10, which is, yes, an Old Testament passage, but it was an Old Testament passage that was not done away with in the New Testament. It was absolutely superseded by even greater things in the New Testament in the words of Jesus. When God was upset with how the people of the culture were uh, slipping back, they were sliding back to their prior Exodus uh, exile days. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house because it was being neglected for the poor, for uh, the upkeep of the temple, other kinds of ministry aspects. And people had become entitled with the sense of this is enough for God. But he reminds them that he's frustrated. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And we talked about the three aspects that you could sort of put ourselves in three buckets sometimes. And I've been in all three of these buckets at different times. The first is the tipper. The second is the tither. And the third is the trustee. A sense of, okay, I have all that I got and here. I'll tip God, right? 
I was in a restaurant the other day, and I'm just amazed how they keep increasing that percentage. You know, it used to be like 10%, right? And then it was 15%. And now they don't even give you those options when they send you the ticket. It's 18% and then 20% and 22%. And I'm like, can I do that at church? Can I just say, hey, we just moved up the percentage amount? I don't know. But, you know, sometimes our concept of uh, giving to God is, hey, I'll I'll appease God. Here's Here's a little bit of a tip or that was good service. My whole tip is determined by if they keep my drink cup full. And uh, if they do, then they're good and they'll get a good tip kind of thing, right? But uh, the idea of giving to God is not a concept of tipping. But neither is it really fully the concept of being a tither. And we just read that verse about the tither, that we give 10%. Tithe actually means 10, so you really can't tithe like 5%. So when you're talking about tithes and offerings, you're talking about your 10% plus offerings on top of that kind of thing or whatever. So there is this aspect that we uh, are called to the historical biblical standard of Scripture of the tithe. I mean, Jesus didn't refute it. He actually superseded. He says 100% is mine. So you live on what you can live on and give the rest to those in need or ministry work or what God's doing in his kingdom. And sometimes we can be very legalistic with a tithe. And that's not God's desire either. Scripture says that we should give cheerfully out of our hearts as the Lord calls us. That doesn't mean that it's not painful sometimes. I remember, uh, I believe it was A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance we were part of, that said, give until it hurts and keep giving until it hurts no more. There is a hurt. In fact, someone on the way out Sunday morning, last Sunday morning said, I picked up one of the batons. I said, that's great. Be praying for you. He says, it's a big number. <laughs> I said, you know what? For all of us, it's a big number when we start to think about it. But we said we're not called to a legalistic tithe, but we're called to be generous people to move past that because we are an, uh, an entrusted with all of God's resources. So the trustee category is really where we need to land. And so we gave the challenge last week. We gave the challenge last week for us to do a 4 by 10 commitment for the next four months, the remaining parts of the year, that we as a church family would take our tithe and test the Lord to see if he would not pour out blessings. Those blessings aren't necessarily monetary blessings, but they're the blessings of worshiping him with all that he has entrusted to us and worshiping him in faithfulness, even sometimes when it hurts. And it also enables us in the giving of the tithe to push back against what you just saw on the video. The mindset that money and wealth and accumulation of goods is going to bring to happiness and life desired. And so I'm encouraged to say that many of you picked up the black baton. And we said it was a black baton because we have this fear with giving the tithe that we're going to go in the red. But that's not what Malachi 3.10 says. See if I will not pour out so much blessing. It's not a red baton. It's a black baton because he will keep you in the black. I firmly believe that. I don't think any of us will be without when it comes the 1st of January by testing the Lord 
in this 410 challenge. And so I left the batons out again this week. If you didn't get a chance to pick one up last week, and I mentioned it uh, in our weekly email, but I know some of you needed to pray about it, and that's totally understandable. Continue to pray sincerely. Lord, could I? And what is it that I fear? I had to ask myself that many years ago and continue to ask myself, why is it that I fear giving the tithe to the Lord and beyond? I believe the Lord will bless you. I believe the Lord will bless his ministry as it moves forward, as you feel led to give wherever and however he calls you to give. And we will uh, see God's goodness as we walk through the remainder of this year. I didn't have... Um, Pastor Michael, tag the tithes and offerings as we normally do. But I want to challenge this in this way. We always throw up this slide. Oh, if you want to give electronically, text the word AWAKENING to 77977. It's a safe, easy way to be able to give. And we just sort of roll right through that. It's on the back of your envelopes, your offering envelopes, and your seat backs as well. But one of the things that has helped me is to be able to take the initiative and trust an electronic means of giving. I remember when we first in churches had the ability to do electronic means, it was like, well, we can't go there because then, you know, well, people will put it on things they probably shouldn't put it on, whatever, and isn't it an act of an offering, and the basket goes by, and yes. But all of our life is sort of ordered around Sometimes the, the payment of things in an electronic way. And what I have found is that when I do reoccurring giving, it causes me not to want to back away and shy away. And when the basket's placed at the end of the service, it's just a simple, thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you've given me in my life. And I worship through, through my tithes and offerings, even though I'm not physically putting something in a basket. So I'd encourage you, to take that step, especially if you're hesitant. This is not a manipulation from me. I just know sometimes you have to take the step and see what God does. Four months. Test the Lord in it. The interest isn't a manipulation or legalism. It's in worship. In keeping Keeping the enemy in part at bay, the tyrant of materialism and an act of worship. And so what I'd like to do again today is I want to encourage us by praying for us in this regard. Lord Jesus, as we took the initiative this last week and even through prayer time to consider being obedient to a historical biblical standard and worshiping you and finishing out this year, and appropriately so, Lord, maybe on a Labor Day weekend, that we would find ourselves offering to you the first fruits of that which you've given to us and that we would take what is sometimes a fearful step but ultimately is a joy-filled step as we're living in obedience to you. And my prayer upon those who are here, upon those who were here last week that picked up a baton in a symbolic way to say, I'm going to make this commitment. Lord, for those who are maybe even watching online that aren't even a part of this church on a regular basis and they have other places that they go, 
Lord, may we step outside of our comfort zones and live in obedience underneath the joy of what you've called us to. Change our heart, Lords, for where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so we place in your hands those offerings. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so there you go. We're done with the series. No. Entitled or entrusted. One of the aspects that comes up a lot of times with the whole subject of tithing is that, you know, we're called to give of our time, talents, and treasures. You ever heard that? And so we focused on that treasure aspect. We have given reference to the talents aspect in our lives and the giftings that we have. But today I want to focus on the giving to God, what he has given to us that you are experiencing right now. Do you know what you're experiencing? You are experiencing time. And time is not something you can make more of. Some of you tried to do it this week. You ran out of time for things you were supposed to be doing. You can't make more time. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. God has given all of us 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. What are you doing with it? He keeps us alive every moment of every day. It's commonplace for us, right? We don't need to be paranoid and think about it or overwhelmed by it. But here it is. Do you know that there's, I'm looking down the road about 10 seconds. You see that second coming? There's a second coming about 10 seconds down. You see it? It's closer now. It's closer. It's coming. It's coming. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, you got it. There's that second. Oh, it's now gone. Each of us live in days filled with hours, filled with minutes, filled with seconds. We've been entrusted this life in time. What's the amount of time the average human spends on earth? You know, it's roughly about 79 years. 79 years or 28,835 days or 692,040 hours. That's what you've been roughly given if God so blesses. What are you going to do with the time that God has entrusted to you? I love these passages. They're good reminders for me. Maybe they're familiar to you. Psalm 139, 16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. It's a beautiful psalm, isn't it? It talks about uh, the life that we've been given in the womb and God brings forth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 39.4 says this, Lord, remind me then. Remind me then how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. They're numbered by him. Oh, how fleeting my life is. Now, that almost leads into a sense of despair, but it's just a reality check. Life is brief. 
It goes on and says, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And Psalm 90, verse 10 says this. Our lives last 70 years. Or, if we are strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. They have troubles in them. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. But then verse 12 says this, teach us, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here's a second. Grab it. Boom. Got it. Oh, it's gone. There's this sense that we living in time have been gifted the days and the hours and the minutes and the seconds, not for our sake, but for his purposes. And we can rightly uh, uh, believe because life just moves forward. I remember when I was younger, and a lot of times uh, you just took life for granted. I mean, there you know, was an accident, maybe a couple in high school, and somebody was killed, and you're like stunned because life can end. You just don't think about that. Now, as we get older and we age and our bodies get a little bit more crickety, we start to realize, well, yeah, this is a, 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 a mortal body I'm living in. My time here is brief, like the psalm just said. But the reality is we don't think about how quickly time is moving. But it's moving in this aspect of us being entrusted with God's time needs to weigh on us to the degree that we do not waste the time that God has given us. We don't need to be paranoid about using every moment or this and that. Relax, you know, be at ease, live a joy-filled life in Christ. But do not do the opposite, which is to squander time. And we all in this room have squandered not just hours or days or weeks. We've squandered sometimes years that God could have rightfully redeemed in much better ways than how we were investing them at the time. And so, Lord, teach us. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. I mean, that's my prayer on this aspect of wanting to know how we are to be a trustee, not just of treasure and talents, but the time that we've been giving. Right now, my wife is on a flight to Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is going to visit one of our best friends. In fact, these friends, Mike and Susan Weddle, have been with us for many years and uh, I had the opportunity to officiate at their daughter's wedding in Tennessee in January. But this week, unexpectedly, Susan's mom, Edie, passed away to be with Jesus. We never know what a week holds. She was eating ice cream and enjoying family time the evening before. And the Lord had her days numbered and they will celebrate a life well lived and a family that's been of encouragement to us we don't know 
our days. It's like the scripture talks about the farmer who had bountiful crops and he just kept getting more and more and built bigger barns. And the scripture says, you fool, you don't know that you're accumulating all this, but your very life is going to be required of you tonight. My interest isn't in making us sad on this Labor Day. My interest is asking you, do you need to reorder some of your life in a pattern that's maybe not just more productive, but more God-honoring? Each of us are given that same amount of time. Things press against us, but what are we going to do? What are we going to do? God has gifted us His time. And for such a time as this, we can reevaluate ending the summer, beginning, stepping into the fall. How are we going to order our days? I have one of these challenges where uh, you probably have the same life. My inbox is never empty. Now, I don't really physically have an inbox on my desk. My desk is sort of messy sometimes, but it's, it's organized. I got to get to those things. And you're just moving through from week to week trying to figure out, i got to get this done or do that. And oh my goodness, and then step up on Sunday morning and they say, be a part of a Wednesday night, you know, study thing. And somebody, I I don't know how to manage all this. And you get a sense of being overwhelmed. And sometimes you just want to disconnect. But then that inbox is still there. But does that inbox contain equally all things that need to be given attention? And the answer is no. Some of us need to reevaluate those things that are on our desk, on our schedules, and say, does this need to be a part of my life? I mentioned a few weeks ago that we finally uh, cut the cable in my household. In other words, no longer do we have a cable bill. That's great because it's always a big bill. But I'm trying to learn that way of doing the streaming thing with all the little icons and things like that. You would think I'd be able to grab a hold of them like, okay, am I supposed to watch Hulu now? Peacock? Football games are on. I can't find my football games, right? And so I'm learning the streaming world. But I've noticed something since I sort of cut the cable, if you will. I don't nearly watch as much news or probably won't watch as much sports And I'm realizing that I've found some time, I've redeemed some time that maybe wasn't always um, necessary uh, to give in some of those directions. And so I look at my life and I try to make decisions as to how can I, in a rightful manner, how can I, in a rightful manner, divide up the responsibilities that I have? You can Google this. Part of me wanted to take more time in looking at it, but I find it fascinating. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? You know that 38% of your day is spent where? In bed, sleeping, or trying to get to sleep. In the United States, 251 minutes each day are spent in paid work. United States, the average of unpaid work, whether it's care work or volunteering, ends up being 96 minutes in a day. Housework and shopping is 122 minutes. Personal care, well, it varies with some of us, I understand that, uh, 57 minutes a day on personal care, right? 
eating and drinking, some of you are quicker than others, but 63 minutes a day, TV and the radio stuff, some of this leisure aspect, 148 minutes a day, and um, seeing friends is 44 minutes a day, and other leisure is 100 minutes a day. In other words, our total leisure is 292 minutes a day. And I've realized that some of my leisure, which is veg work, actually can be redeemed in other more beautiful ways. What about you? Is there some redeeming of the time? You've got your work responsibilities. You've got to have your rest. All right? You've got to be able to accomplish certain things domestically understood. So we only have those 24 hours. How do we unpack them? How do we use them appropriately? And I struggle with that. I struggle with it because there never seems to be enough time to get everything done. I want us to look at a passage in a second that talks, us, talks to us about being careful about how we spend our time. But on a pragmatic basis, one of the aspects that's helped me is uh, to recall a matrix, a two-by-two two matrix. Some of you are familiar with this. Stephen Covey says it in his books, uh, but actually goes back to Dwight Eisenhower, the 34th president of the United States, who was the supreme commander of armed forces in World War II before he became president. And he had all kinds of things he needed to do, and he, he put it into this particular kind of matrix, which actually has four quadrants. Four quadrants, and these are the quadrants. Quadrant number one is the urgent and important task. Quadrant number two is the not urgent but important task. Quadrant number three is the urgent but not important task. And quadrant number four is the not urgent and the not important task. And as he unpacked his life and his inbox, there was this aspect of time. I don't have enough time to do everything. Quadrant number one emerges at the top, right? And the simple response is, do it. Just do it. Get it done. It's important and it's urgent. So take that initiative to jump into it. Quadrant number two is still these important things. Man, are important. I need to get to that. I know that's important, not only for me, but maybe for someone else. But I, it's just not necessarily urgent. I got a kid that's sick. I've got another deadline that needs to uh, be met for work. Urgent, not urgent, but important. Quadrant number two, schedule it. Commit to a time and then do it. Quadrant number three is the uh, urgent, but it's the not important. And delegate it is what is often said about that. Find someone to help you do that. It's like, well, I can't get to that, but here, let me assign that task to you. All right? And then the fourth, and I don't know, it's crazy when I think about some of the things that fall into this category that I spend a lot of time, the not urgent and the not important, just delete it, just eliminate it, get it out of the way. This has helped me in one sense. I want to move this to a little bit of a spiritual discussion, though, in light of God moving on our heart and what he's called us to do with the time that he's given us, the time that he is entrusted to us. Here is the time that I've given to you. I find 
that a lot of spiritual life, kingdom things, fall into quadrant number two. We know that they're important. It's important that I study the scriptures and that I allow it to breathe life into me and set my moral foundation and, and give me instruction. I'm going to get to study sometimes. Or maybe we find, oh yeah, that, that serve card that's on the back, I know I need to be serving God with my time and things and get involved in stuff, but I, it's just not urgent right now. It's important, but it's not urgent. I have a particular item that's been on my list for quite a while now, and people keep asking me about it every now and then, and it doesn't bother me, it just gnaws at me, because I know it's very important for me to get done. But it doesn't fall into the urgent category. It's in quadrant two. I had to take my own medicine again this week, because I said, Lord, if I'm talking about your time, and I look at some of these quadrants and what you've called me to, I need to isolate some time, schedule it in to that which is important. And so this week, I'm choosing to do that. You can hold me accountable next weekend. Say, did you get that schedule? Did you walk through it? There's a couple days I'm crafting to say, I'm going to get at some writing things I was supposed to do and be able to think through some stuff. I know I need to do this. It's the calling of God on my life. But oh, there's other things I got to get done. Oh, there goes that second again. No, I'm going to schedule it. I'm going to schedule it and be faithful. When we ask you to, to take that card that's in your chair this morning and write your name on the Wednesday night um, Bible study, I know, I'm very mindful that you don't have time for it. But at the same time, you don't have an option if you're going to move those things of greater importance into your life. Show up a week from Wednesday, 6.30 or 5.30 for the tacos. Come and be a part of a group experience that can benefit you spiritually. Take the initiative to serve somebody that's in your neighborhood or somebody that's in need. Find yourself moving towards the things of importance in the kingdom of God. Because left into the rat race of the world that we live in, we will spend most of our time over here in quadrant one or quadrant three. It's just a stop and pause. And this is exactly what I believe the Apostle Paul did. If you would open in your scriptures to Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul is exhorting the Christians in Ephesus to live a life in the fullness of Christ. Read chapter 1. To live a life according to the calling that they have been given, that they should not take for granted, that's been entrusted to them. And he says this in verse 15. He says this in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Or the NIV says, be very careful then how you live. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live, not as unwise. Oh, we're just blowing through time. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm the age I am. 
not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Or in the NIV, it says, making the most of every opportunity. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now, I find that statement, because the days of evil, interesting for two reasons. One uh, is nothing seems to change. Paul was living in a world where he looked around them at all that was going on and says, this is an evil, broken, fallen world that we live in. But the second thing is because the adversary, who is the evil one, does not want you and I to be wise with the time that we are given. In C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters, some of you know it, the lead demon, Screwtape, was giving words of instruction through memos to a sub-demon called Wormwood. And Wormwood made a big mistake somehow in being responsible for antagonizing somebody's life, this demonic spirit. Wormwood uh, saw that the person that he was attacking became a Christian. Screw tape, the lead demon, was very upset about it. And so what screw tape does, he says, all right, now that this person has become a Christian, this is how you need to attack them. This is what you need to do. And believe it or not, it wasn't to get them to walk away from the faith or to fall into some deep pit of sin. Screw tape's exhortation to Wormwood concerning the Christian life was to neutralize them. Just get them to be passive with who they are as a Christ follower. Check the box, I went to church. Check the box, I prayed at the mills. Check the box, I thought good thoughts about God this week. But do not allow them to move into some quadrant where they are pushing forward with the kingdom of God. Just neutralize them. Make them bland. And that is an attack against all of us. And so here the Apostle Paul says, make the best use of your time because of the days are evil. There is pressure against you not to move in the direction that God wants you to do in spending your time. So he goes on, he says this then, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? And do not get drunk on wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's saying, be careful then how you live. Be wise to the use of your time because the days are evil. Don't fall into this drunkenness of wine and debauchery. And he was really just using it as a counterbalance example of don't go that direction. What you need to do is go the other direction to be filled with the Spirit of God each and every day. It's a primary verb or a uh, four-active um, verb that's in this passage. But then he adds to this basically what it means to be filled by the Spirit, which are secondary verbiage, uh, verbs, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus this is what you need to do with your time. Quadrant number one, be filled with the Spirit. 
And an example of being filled with the Spirit is a heart that's overflowing to Him. And so we're back to our calling, our intimacy, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Your primary calling is by Jesus, to Jesus, for Jesus. It's that relationship and His Spirit living within you. And if you've never invited Jesus into your life, do it sooner rather than later because that's how you can use the best, best use of your time is to be filled with the Spirit. And then during that time of being filled with the Spirit... You don't separate things into secular and sacred. You live your life out in a capacity to be a kingdom worker every day, everywhere for his purposes. So your time at work is redeemed. Your time interacting with friends is redeemed. Your time and some other kinds of interactions of responsibility can be redeemed. Your private time, your leisure time can be redeemed. It's not about just getting everything boxed in. To these priority categories. Be careful how you live. Make the most of your time, your opportunities. Don't go the way of the world, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he gives a second exhortation. It's unfortunate in the NIV, there's a paragraph split there. But in the Greek, you have to understand it's sort of all continuity-wise the same. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes into what scripture refers sometimes as found in different places. That's the house codes, how wives are to treat their, uh, their husbands, husbands, how they're to treat their wives, how parents are to treat their children, how employers are to treat those that work for them or the master slave kind of aspect. And we are called in our time given to be submissive to one another with those beautiful kinds of house coats, which were contrary to the kingdom, uh, the, the earthly kingdoms that were in place in the first century. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ or love Christ. Make the best use of your time, is what Paul says, and understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with the Spirit, singing and making melody in the, to the Lord and submitting to one another on a reverence for Christ. Here comes another one. It's gone. I'm entrusted. I'm entrusted with time because all of God's time is in his hands and he is numbered and ordered my days and I need to count my days and order my life according to what is important in the kingdom of God sometimes it's urgent but a lot of times in the kingdom of God it's not urgent and so it gets dismissed and falls underneath the stack of papers on our desk or gets dropped off of our schedule what is it that you need to do in your life right now to reorder your days related to God's time for the fall. I trust you take the initiative. I trust you take the initiative to not fill it to over busy, but to reorder it so the things of the kingdom emerge, things of being filled with the Spirit emerge, things of being submissive one to another and serving one another emerge. 
And then in all the time that we're given, we serve his purposes. James 4.14 says this, it's a pretty bold statement. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. Made mention of that. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. This is the Passion Translation. I like how it puts it. Uh, We don't have a lot of cold days, though it is a unique day today with a lot of humidity. But in cold weather, what? You see your breath and then it evaporates. And he's given the analogy of, oh, there it comes, there it goes. Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. So let's reorder our lives this fall around the important things of God. Living life in his spirit every day, walking, cultivating that relationship with him. And do some things tactically that are going to help you move that direction. Not just maybe Wednesday night. Maybe it's a women's Bible study. The men's retreat coming up. Man, let's rock it. Let's schedule the October 6th to 8th. And let's be there. See God move on our heart. And encourage one another. Let's reorder our lives. According to an understanding. That our time and our days. Are not our own. But then they're his. The reality is this life is brief. And that's why I want to. Have us conclude not just this message, but this series with us focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. So I'm going to ask the team to get ready to come up. And Greg, if you would come up. and We are going to share communion together to finish off this series here on this Labor Day weekend, the first Sunday of the month. If you don't have a communion cup, you can raise your hand and somebody will get you one and uh, it will pass it out, one of these. If you're a believer in Christ, I want to encourage you to, to join with us today. But Jesus, he came to redeem not only our time in this life, but to give us eternal life. And that's why the familiar passage, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here it comes. Here comes another second. It's, I got... God calls us to live in the present moments. But God has called us to live for eternity. And we rejoice this morning because our struggle with the whole issue of time and schedules and where we place our activities, how we use our talents, even our resources, the sense of calling, it seems chaotic sometimes to get all packed into this life. And some seasons we're doing better than other seasons. But you need to know this. Jesus has called you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you need to understand this afresh and anew here this morning. The beginning of the fall, Jesus has called you to be with him forever. 
And when we remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed on the cross, we are remembering him until he comes again in this time. But God lives above time. He lives outside of time, and that's what eternity is. And we have these moments in chronological time to steward really well, but God has called us to be eternal beings. Book of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. It does not matter how old our loved ones live. The memorial funeral service that my wife will be at this week will have grief in it. Not because there's not hope in knowing where Edie is, but because we want to be with our loved ones forever. God has made a way through his broken body and his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and take a few moments just to thank the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. For the provision that he has given, the provision not only of your life that he's entrusted to you or your calling or your resources that he's entrusted to you, his resources, but his very life has been given to you and I. Thank him on this Labor Day weekend. First Corinthians eleven twenty three says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had said, given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your obedience and the time you were given on this earth to fulfill the Father's will. That your body was broken. We thank you in remembrance of you on this day. You may partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I invite you to take the cup and partake, remembering the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, as we finish out these weeks of focusing on the reality that we have been entrusted with your gospel, with your calling, with the life you've given us, with the resources and with time, may you enable us this fall to honor you, being good stewards, reordering our days, our schedules, 
our finances, our time spent with others, whatever it may be, our time in service to you and your church. May we live a life this fall that is not chaotic, confusing, overwhelming, and burdened. But may we live a life this fall that's filled with your spirit in submission to you and in service to one another. So Lord, your blessing across this body for this fall moving forward. Lord, we thank you for that eternal work. God, thank you for sending your one and only son so that if we believe in you, we would have eternal life. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to encourage us to sing out with a spirit of worship. And um, in that, I want to encourage us that uh, if there's a particular spiritual need that you have, um, that you'd like to have somebody pray with you for, we have a prayer area over here. Seek it out during the last song at the close of service. Take the opportunity, maybe if you need to, to write it on the back of your Connect card and turn those in. Turn in your Wednesday night cards so we can all gather as church family. But let's have a beautiful fall as we launch next week. I'm going to begin a series on the story of God that's going to be in alignment with what we're doing on Wednesdays. And I'm excited because we're going to be in Scripture and we're going to be moving through it and putting the master narrative anew together. Let's sing. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. Sin's great, your love was greater.
Grab your baton on your way out. May it be symbolic not only of God's resources, but all of life as it's been entrusted to you. God bless. Have a great Labor Day weekend.